Hey, everybody, it's the Badger, and you're listening to the Asia Rocks Global Metal Podcast with Beth the Badger and Stefan Stein. Hi, Stefan. How's it going today? Good day. Welcome to what day is it today? It is Monday. Um, yeah, it's going great. Thank you. Here in this lovely sunny country of of mine, it is all good. Yeah, it's actually sunny here in Washington too, so that's a good thing. Nice. Now enjoy it while it lasts. Your winter is on the way. Yes, it is. Uh, we are currently in fall. It has fall has fallen, but the nice thing about Washington in fall is it's still pretty sunny, still kind of warm, but not hot, which is like my favorite time of year. Yeah, I must say I'm a I'm a big fan of of autumn or fall and uh, spring also. Between summer and winter, I mean, depending on where you are, both of those could be fun. But if you're just stuck with like a routine job, those seasons tend to be challenging. Yeah, I'm lucky I work from home, so I don't have to deal with the traffic regardless. Um, so I, uh, other than the fact that it gets a little cold when uh, you have to take the dog out or whatever, I'm good. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, here where I live, although I'm in sunny South Africa, I do live in a very cold valley. I was jokingly calling today the 17th winter of this year. Um, I'm sitting here in two jackets, actually. Oh, my God. Um, the, the buildings here tend to be built for summer, like so they, they're nice and cool. Transferring in even mildly cold evenings like tonight, it's like really cold inside buildings. It's probably warmer outside, weirdly. Yeah, but we're great in summer. Like this place in summer is wonderful. But then it's nice and cool. Then it's a refuge, at least. And we actually, in our apartment here in Washington, have the exact opposite. In summer, it is miserable in our apartment. It's very warm. In wintertime, we don't even have to turn on the heat. It's perfect. But in summer, That's wonderful. We, have the, we have the air conditioner going like 24-7 in summertime, like a hot box. Now, that's often the case with modern buildings. Um, like there was a time when buildings were exclusively built according to solar patterns, like how the sun would come up in different seasons. But now with air conditioning, uh, lots of designs now just focus on architectural, like, I don't know, prowess, but not really prowess because they, they maybe not always regarding direction anymore. And um, buildings built in the, in the proper way would, um, like here's an interesting random rock and roll anecdote. So if you read the if you read the autobiography, well, uh, by of Keith Richards called Life. Now he lives in uh, amongst other places. He owns a house in Jamaica, and he owns a house down the beach from Paul McCartney, and they like hang out supposedly. But now this house is one of a series of houses that were built by master builders that fled Italy during the Second World War. And these guys supposedly camped out on the mountainside for like a year, make, just taking notes of like where the sun is at certain times and whatever, and how the wind, temp, uh, the wind direction and that kind of stuff. And they all built these houses according to these like traditional principles. 
And supposedly the way you operate that house is the windows are just always open. And yep. because of how prevailing air currents work, it will warm or cool your house at the appropriate time. And that is so brilliant. You know, I'd love to live in a house like that. And um, I was actually educationally trained to do that. I am actually a certified land planner. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's really cool. Yeah, I my uh, that's what my degree's in is uh, land planning and geographic informational systems and um, governmental institutions and governmental process. That's what my degree's in from University of Washington. Go dogs! Woo! 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 <laughs> yeah. oh, that, that that's that that that's quite. Uh quite a list of, of things in that degree. It's, I, I actually have friends with, like I have a friend who's got a degree in, in, in like town planning and I've got a, uh, another friend who's, uh, she did a doctorate in kind of like uh, carbon, carbon footprint quantitative analysis via satellites and stuff like that. So yeah, it's one, what interesting fields, both those. And um, of course, governments are just fascinating. Whether one looks at that positively or negatively, they're always fascinating. You know, well, like it's still yeah. a massive feat to run a country. You know, and you really, if you're going to be a land planner, you have to know how governmental organizations work, because everything you do is dependent upon state, city, and county ordinances. So if you yes, and zoning and, and stuff like that, 100%. Yeah. So if you do not understand how governmental organizations work, you will basically not know. You can have all the training on how to build a city, on how to build a traffic system, on how to create homes that provide the best for the community. But if you don't know how to be a good steward for that community and work within the required or know how to read the required ordinances and zoning for that community, then you could very well build a multifamily property that will never be able to be used. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, it, it's, it's integral to uh what we're what we're doing and and once again we haven't even gotten to the topic and we're way off topic <laughs> uh -uh, totally. we're really good at that it's the way our trademark fabulous at it so our topic today is how did you fall in love with metal what what uh brought you into the metal community so, and you're going to start us off because I know you have probably have an amazing story of how you found the warm embrace of the metal community. So go for it. Well, okay. So maybe as a background, uh, the country I was in at the time is next door to where I am now. So that's in the country Namibia, right? Which kind of looks like a hand sign, but that's, that's a long story. Now, at that time, it was a very sort of conservative, religious country, um, 
still is to a large extent. And um, there was actual active censorship and certain music was banned. Um, Namibia at that time was under the rule of the old South African government. We were run like a fifth province of, of South Africa. And uh, we had the same censorship board. So it was almost impossible to get metal, especially earlier, like I, in, in the early 80s in South Africa, it was supposedly really tough. Um, I kind of got into harder and harder, well, harder and harder music, starting with Bon Jovi, right? Which I still like. Um, kind of Bon Jovi, discovered Def Leppard, Alice Cooper. And then finally, I, I heard Iron Maiden and it just, there was something different there that although I already fell in love with the with the loud guitars and the pounding drums, there was something I would say almost mysterious when I heard Iron Maiden, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. And then suddenly all these bands started appearing out of nowhere. Like I was in a country that was like it's one of the most sparsely populated countries in the world. Yet somehow, like my cousin's cousin on the other side of the family, like older guy that had been to the war, came and gave us Black Sabbath, Wasp, Judas Priest, like all these like classic bands, but all their newer, like late 80s, beginning of the 90s albums. And um, so I totally got started in like all the classic bands, but they're yeah, weird, awkward period albums, but because I was an undiscerning youth, I just loved them all, you know. And uh, from there, I was on a, for a long time, I was on the mission to just get heavier and heavier music. But somehow, I think metal does that sometimes, especially when you're an adolescent. And um, the, I, I discovered death metal, and I kind of loved it because my parents hated it. And... Um, I mean, I still love it, but, uh, you know, like, not because my parents hate it anymore. Now it's just because it really rocks, you know. Um, but, yeah, so, like, eventually then, at the end of the 90s, kind of extreme metal had, had kind of run its whole, It's it, it had run dry in a way, you know. It, it had become derivative and repetitive. And then suddenly, magically, I heard the band Dissection, and um, they were one of the first bands from Sweden that I had heard that started reincorporating the melodic element first introduced by, for instance, bands like Iron Maiden, and bringing that into more extreme music. And then I discovered In Flames and um, this band called Ablaze My Sorrow. And like that led me down this long path that eventually made me find my favorite band in the world, Soil Work. Um, yeah, like, so... Uh, I guess my ear stuck to the melody, and maybe that's because I heard Iron Maiden first. But to this day, I still love Maiden. I finally got to see them live about five years ago um, on the Book of Souls tour, and uh, when they played in Johannesburg in South Africa, and it was that was like a dream come true. I felt like a child, you know, like it was absolutely a perfect experience. Um, so yeah, that's. That's in a nutshell, uh, typically my way of telling my story of how I got into metal, I guess. It's amazing. And um, so conversely here, I am um, I'm the youngest of 
many children, um, eight in total. And, um, and well, I'm the second to the youngest if we can't, if we're counting eight. So, um, but I grew up with siblings that were much older than me. And, um, my oldest sister is almost 20 years older than I am. And the generation that I grew up in was a very musically diverse generation. So, and the generations above me, even more so, because I was born in 1968. Yes, I'm dating myself. The Badger is over, you know, half. I'm over the hill and on my way down. You're halfway to like, you're like halfway to 110. This is just a wonderful achievement. (laughs) Right. And and I and I think I look pretty good for half of a hundred, but um, the my siblings were so much older than me. They had gone through the, you know, um, so many different artists. So I was exposed to so many genres of music. And and by the time I was really listening to, um, like any type of my own music i was already indoctrinated into like led zeppelin and um black sabbath and ozzy osbourne and all of those artists so that and acdc you know that was my real musical bane my brother actually took me to a Led Zeppelin concert when I was four years old. They had like a rucksack. Him and his girlfriend were supposed to be babysitting me and they had tickets (laughs) to Led Zeppelin. And so they just basically on a baby backpack and just threw me in it. And so I actually went to a Led Zeppelin concert when I was four years old. I don't remember any of it. Apparently I slept through it, but that's, you know. that's even better because in that state of mind, it must have like your soul must have absorbed Led Zeppelin at their like best moment. You know, I think yeah. that's so perfect. That's and so like, I used to sleep in class in school, and uh, basically I used to know all the answers, but I slept through class, and then I figured out it was because I was sleeping. So yeah, yeah. sorry to interrupt. Please continue, but that's that's I think you got the best gig there. I know, right? And then um, then I had brothers and sisters who were into everything from the Osmonds to Martin Greenbaum, you know, Spirit in the Sky. So I had this huge musical base that came forward and just exposed me to so much music that by the time I was making conscious decisions about what I wanted to listen to, excuse me, um, I really was thoughtful about it. And I was a performer myself. I um, came from an opera background. I had been singing opera since I was a kid. and, And so my musical tastes were not limited to English speaking artists. So I was always on the lookout for something a little different, something that not everybody else was listening to. And I didn't feel the need to meet my peers 
in what they were listening to. And I think that really opened me up for metal. Because yeah, that makes sense. metal is universally musically tight. I mean, there is some metal out there, but it's not like punk. And I loved punk, too. I was really into punk. Bad Brains, Black Flag, you know, um, Suicidal Tendencies. Saw all of them live way back in the day. And um, but metal was always kind of musically tight, like and brought in, you know, the two guitar, the, you know, the heavy drums, the the, you know, the melodic voice patterns, you know, and then listening for all of that. I mean, because a lot of metal is very harmonically sound. Phenomenally so, yes. Yes. So I think at the point in time, I mean, because I'm a, I'm an 80s person, and really a lot of the music out there, no offense to people who love 80s pop music, there's a lot of it out there, and a lot of people love it, and good for you. Like, just not my stamp. Like, I was never into that. And, um, I mean, not that I can't sing it all on the radio, because it's all we had. You know, we were fed it like pablum. You know, so, um, do I like Madonna? No. Can I sing Lucky Star verbatim? Absolutely. You know I mean? (laughs) Like, you know, because we were... You know, and do I have, then I was looking for local artists that I fell in love with. For me, it was a band called TKO, which later morphed into War Babies. I managed bands in the 90s, so very involved in the grunge era. Unfortunately, none of my bands got super famous, sad face, but you just grow and grow. And I um, was hugely influenced by Black Sabbath. I am a huge Anthrax fan from the very beginning. I love Anthrax. I am a huge Mastodon fan. Everybody knows that about me. But also... You have some music from South Africa that I really love, um, a band called Cold Hand Chemistry. She's yeah, a no, yes, this is how small this world is. They are phenomenal. I love them. Yeah, um, if you've never, I know them quite well. Yeah, and if you've never heard Cold Hand Chemistry, I encourage you to go on YouTube. I don't think they are a band anymore but her videos are absolutely mesmerizing and her voice could charm sailors off their boats it's serenic yeah, Chantal has a phenomenal voice now um, their drummer was playing music professionally in Abu Dhabi in a cover band making good money there and also working for Hardy Davidson while he was there. But he's back in the country, and he's back in Cape Town. So uh, last I heard, yeah, like they were hanging out because they're good friends. 
they've been friends forever. I've actually known him. He was my he was my first, well, second drummer in South Africa after I moved from Namibia, when I when I became a musician, pretty much. He was my first drummer where we were making money for playing music. Uh, the Cold and Chemistry drummer. So those are like uh, scene originators almost, you know. Yeah. Uh, we played together in 1997, to give you an idea. So that's like a lifetime ago. Yeah. And here's I... crazy trivia. Guess, guess who our singer, our singer at that time uh, is ZPTR, who eventually sang for Dragon Force. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he was our singer, and the Cold End Chemistry drummer was the drummer. I was the guitar player, and uh, there was a bass player called Leon, and another guitar player called Pierre Huerson, with whom I actually have a guitar building company, which is a story for another day. Yes, we're, you know, navigating through the world of music with a metal ear leads you down so many different paths because there's so many different types of genres of metal. Um, there was yes. a really beautifully done documentary that goes over all the genres of metal. And I don't know the name of it right off the top of my head. I am so bad about that stuff. But did you ever say it's like the basically... <clears throat> giant taxonomy of all metal <laughs> like he does this huge in-depth anthropology is the guy that does it a guy called sam dunn yes it is sam dunn yeah that's uh what is it called <laughs> global metal something uh, i i used like I've, I've i've watched it i watched it years ago um but yeah something Something metal, something. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's but Sam Dunn, that's his name. He's the guy but that made that. Sam Dunn is the, the guy who did the documentary, and he did a fabulous job. It is just stupiforically perfect on how it charts <laughs> the basically the evolution of metal. And yeah. all different subgenres that happened because of it you know and we you know there's so many different kinds of metal that um really i tend to lean more towards thrash metal and melodic metal i love some death metal some death metal i'm like meh i'm good um i i tend to like to be able to hear what my singers are singing and you know that us death metal people will argue that you can, you just get used to it, <laughs> but it takes, it takes a while. It takes a while. And some bands, I mean, there are some bands I really cannot interpret without a lyric sheet. Yeah. And, but there are some bands that sing with the growly lyrics that I really love. Um, first and foremost, Tashmirella Masaka and, and, uh, Overthrust. And overthrust, yeah. They're so, I, I was watching one of their videos the other day again. Um, since I haven't seen them in years now, it's now become years. That's so sad. Um, this COVID thing totally messed up metal in Africa a little. Um, I although I, I saw a video clip of Rust and their show in Johannesburg for the Metal for Africa Winterfest. They played at the Joburg um, 
happening because there were three events running simultaneously, one in Cape Town and one in Joburg. And Rust were on top form. They sound so amazing. They've completely evolved their sound. They, um, yeah, Stuck's, Stuck's Demon's voice sounded so incredibly good live. I must say, if for anybody listening that does not know the band Rust from Botswana, that's W-R-U-S-T. Go check yep. them out. They are phenomenal. And, um, oh, and I'm gonna, and I, he, I think he was playing at your Metal for Africa show, and he has a great band, and I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but he's very, oh, darn it. <laughs> it just went out of my head. But those were the the bands that I really cut my teeth on were Rust, Overthrust. Yeah, you're, those the guys. You're in now, the band that you're in now with the guy who wrote Patrick. Oh, band. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, we, uh, yeah, so his band that played there, um, no, the band that played there was, was Doom Trigger. That's another very good band. Yeah. But Patrick. Uh, Patrick's band is called Orphean Passage. Yes. Now, Orphean Passage is the most phenomenal band ever. Um, they're like proper old school doom. Uh, they've got they've got like piano vibes, riffs slower, slower than bureaucracy. Um, they're truly phenomenal. And like, yeah, they, they really put so much effort into their stuff. Their live show has proper choreographed lights, um, courtesy of Patrick, because, like, thanks to him, Mind Assault also now has uh, fancy synchronized lights. Thank you, Patrick. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you rock, say. What a, what a ninja he is. He is. He's an amazing, amazing guy and um, looks like the lead singer from the band Live. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but he also... In his defense, to me, he looks more like Scott Ian. Yeah, and he's he does. always looked like Scott Ian, actually, a little bit. Like a lot of the South African scene call him Scott Ian. Like, yeah. not his face, of course. We call him Patrick because he's the ninja, right? But like, yeah. like with the first time I saw him, I was like, hey, look, it's Scott Ian. <laughs> like, you, know, well, so, you, you also get that right, too, because don't they call you the, the, giant version of uh one of actually a guy forever yeah yeah they call you the giant version of dave i cannot i cannot tell you how many photographs i've posed with drunk people with at like 3 a.m in the morning um where they're like hey man you look like dave Grohl, man and then i'm like i am dave well no like (laughs) i always just take the piss with him for like a minute or so i can't help it um but yeah, no, then like they just wanted like I have to pose for photos with him. So yeah, many many drunk people have have mistaken me for Dave Grohl. <laughs> oh, it's really funny. Yeah, I don't I don't have that. I don't I don't have that look about me. I I get recognized mostly by my voice and not by my face. So um, this has its and- distinct advantages. Like. I'm like almost seven foot tall, so I'm yeah. impossible. I I can't hide. <laughs> I'm always noticed. Like I'd have You're, to leopard crawl if I wanted to disappear. 
Yeah, you you are very very tall. You are a very very tall gentleman. I always I, say that I am like a stack of humans. <laughs> I am, I am, uh, I am a shorter lady, which is okay because I'm only five six. But that's okay. I'm I'm good with that. Yeah. All of my children are taller than me. Some of them by a lot. You know, it's like I think we need the short and the tall people because that's why like cupboards have like low and high shelves. You know. Um, yeah, it's I'm all, it always asking. works perfectly together like that. Um, I often hand stuff to people in the shops. Um, and like, I'm sure that when I'm old one day and I can't bend down anymore, I'd have to gesture to the tiny people like to hand me stuff from the lower shelf. <laughs> so, yeah. like, yeah, it's it's all symbiosis always. And I, you know, I, while we're on this topic of how we got into metal, I have to, I have to really give mad props to the album that got me looking for, um, looking for thematic music. And metal is very thematic, like all of yes. their albums, especially Iron Maiden, which Iron Maiden has a theme to every album they come out with. Uh, oh, by the way, if you have uh, listeners of this podcast, if you have not taken the time to listen to Sinjitsu yet, the newest release from Iron Maiden, it is out of the park, home run, classic Iron Maiden done in the best way. They she really captured really it. Perfect. Yeah. No, like, I, they almost lost me briefly, and I won't even dishonor them by saying which album. And this was already quite a while back, like quite a few albums back. But they've been the band in my heart since it started, and they're still there. Uh, they just keep delivering. And the artwork still looks so rad. Like, I love the... They, they bring an A game from live show to artwork, to song quality, to production value, you know, like they just rock. Yeah, they're super fabulous. But the one band, the one group that brought me into the fold and keeps me going back and I can put it in my car on my Spotify and totally rock out from beginning to end is Meatloaf Bat Out of Hell. Well, one of my best friends in the whole world, um, we became friends like in seventh grade, uh, which uh, was when you would go to a high school in, in Namibia. And I met this, now picture this, I'm this tall dude, dark hair, dark eyes, like he's this tiny, well, tiny, short guy with red hair. And like we somehow just, we're still friends. We're still really good friends. And the first thing, I, I suppose you can still remember that whole conversation. I went up to him. I'm like, so do you listen to metal? He's like, well, he likes uh, Guns N' Roses and Meatloaf. And I suppose he said to him, no, metal. I meant metal. <laughs> but like to this day, like the day Meatloaf died, um, I was at his house the day Meatloaf died. And this morning, my friend's name is Olof. So Olaf got on on his kitchen counter, which he, by the way, built and designed to be a stage. It can be a stage. Um, he lives out in the bush on his own, like his own piece of land, and he's built his whole house that it can be like a live venue. And the kitchen counter is the stage. So he's on top of that, and he, at the top of his voice, sang the whole bat out of hell, 
And then the whole I'll do anything for love randomly from Bath out of Hall 2. And uh, yeah, he just rocked it, eh? Like, he, yeah, that was actually amazing. <laughs> that was a very cool moment very recently with, with Bath out of Hall. And you know his connection to Scott Ian, right? No. Meatloaf. Scott no. Ian married he Meatloaf. He said his father. He, Scott, a meatloaf is Scott Ian's father-in-law. He married Pearl. He married Meatloaf's oh, daughter. wow. Yes, yeah, so... That's, that's so cool. Yeah, so there's a huge connection there, and she's a beautiful voice, and a you know, and she toured with her dad for years, and they met, and so yeah, that is Scott Ian's wife is Pearl, um, Meatloaf's daughter, and they oh, have. Love. I don't. That's not his last name. He has a very <laughs> name, and I. I, I not, used to know what his name is, but I can't think of it now. Um, <laughs> something yeah i'm a i'm a selective nerd i'm often a nerd but then sometimes not <laughs> sometimes there are these things that i thought i should know and then i'm like shoot i don't know yeah no, no i mean i when you want to give me like random trivia i'm usually good at most of it but like once i hear it i'm like oh yeah that's it like but when i'm put on the yeah it's that tip of the tongue thing yeah, I, I, I get that 100%. It just, uh, yeah. it hangs there and it doesn't want to come out. It's like, I know it. It sucks if you're playing yeah. Trivial Pursuit, you know? Trivial Pursuit yeah. is the wrongest time to have that happen to you. Because an hour from now, I'll be like, <laughs> and I'll know it. I'll know yeah, it. Like, um, now. Like, I, I, I know that feeling from, like, having to learn a lot of music and jumping on stage with bands. I mean, I've had I've had one ridiculous moment, but I'll save that for another day too. Um, but like, usually I'm quite lucky with that. Um, but that moment before you jump onto the stage and there's all this material, and you're like, uh, the, the reactive mind then tells you that you will obviously totally screw this up. L luckily, I mostly don't. <laughs> but it's such a terrible feeling that like the mind likes to tell you so. I must tell you this in order to free you from your pain, right? So what I tell my guitar students, and it works, is that thinking is the act of not knowing. So when the moment we ask our brain the answer of something, our brain assumes that it is incorrect with the information it has stored. So therefore, it will disregard the previously stored information. But when you act from the from the now moment unthinkingly you have perfect access to your database so it's it takes a while to get it right but that is the place to sing from to laugh from to drive from um etc <laughs> yeah muscle memory don't think about yeah, it just... yeah we're just muscle memory really absolutely yeah well, this one is a short one because you are on random power outages and I am actually on my secret identity lunch break. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we will be back next week 
and this will go on our Spotify as episode two. Another brilliant episode. Thank you, kind sir. Thank you, kind man. Oh, you're very welcome. And next week, uh, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. This is exciting. Tell me more. Next, I loved school week, so much. I didn't. <laughs> I know. Next week we are going to talk about Japanese rock bands. So Ooh. I'm going to send you off with homework onto YouTube, and you're going to look up Japanese rock bands. And this I will do, but I will also regale you with strange things, Japanesey and rocky, because. Okay. Uh, I I have noticed some interesting music from that side before, and I'm a big, big, big fan of Marty Friedman and Paul Gilbert, who both at a time, and probably still, they both lived in Tokyo at a time, and I think they both still do, and they like on Japanese television a lot. And me being a guitar nerd, I've watched a lot of their shows where they speak fluent Japanese, and I have no idea what they're saying, but it's just, it's such a cool style of tv shows I'll, I'll send you an episode link so you can experience how crazy they are please send me names and i'll explore these artists and uh uh yeah please do and the please reason my... that is because west loves east radios asia rocks and west loves the east and um cafe pop are going to go see one of the biggest Japanese rock bands live in uh, middle of October at the Roseland Theater in Portland, Oregon. And this band is called One OK Rock. And they are huge and they're on their U.S. world tour right now. And I, me, the Badger, Amber Rosie, our content editor, and Kaya Grace, my co-host, we're all going to go work the crowd live. That's so cool. That the, is, that's going to oh, rock. Yeah, it's going to be rock. fun. So we are going to go there and hopefully get some people to join us at a local pub cantina bar after the show and do a video of like what they thought of the concert so we will talk about <laughs> japanese rock and metal next week yes i'm looking forward to this very much because uh both both japanese metal and rock and uh, metal and rock in general do interest me very much so um yes until okay. next time, this is this rocks every week. Yes. Come listen to us lose our topics with grace and style. Yes. <laughs> abuse our top. We we don't have a topic. We abuse the topic. Yeah, we are the topic. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Okay, well, thank you very much. I'm the Badger. Say goodbye, Stefan. Good day. May your day be good. Yep. Okay.